Good morning. You want to get out your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we'll be studying uh, this morning. Uh, as has already been mentioned a few times, uh, we do have visitors here. We want you to know that you are especially welcomed here. Uh, we hope that as we study together this morning, uh, that you'll get something out of our study and uh, that you'll be able to understand more about God and glorify Him in your own life. Uh, we've been studying through Ephesians mainly on Sunday nights, but I've swapped over to Sunday mornings because of the, the text that we're in, which really is about unity. And then the goal was to help us to be more unified. And, and there are some who, who aren't able to make it on Sunday night, and I wanted to be sure to include them so that we could be unified with one another. That's certainly the desires that, that I have. Um, and, and the goal, as we've been studying, is growth. Uh, that's the goal. That's the desire. And so we're going to start talking a lot about growth and, uh, and really what creates growth. How does growth happen in a local congregation and what hinders growth from happening? Uh, and that's going to be the primary thing we talk about this morning is something that hinders growth from happening. As we've been studying through Ephesians, we noticed in the first three chapters... Uh, a lot of what Clay said at the end of the, the Lord's Supper, at the, the, the giving, in the giving discussion, uh, is that we're here to glorify God. Uh, and, and the first three chapters are just full of that picture, that, that that's our purpose. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing so that we would glorify Him. And at the end of chapter 3, he gives this really interesting kind of summary statement uh, saying that he, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. And then he says, To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Uh, so God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. And then he says, To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. So God can do and does uh, so much for us and through us. And that's the desire that we should have, is that he would work for us and that he would work through us. Uh, this text gives us the goal. And the goal is to build up this church to be the fullness of Christ. That is what gives God glory. Living, acting, doing, being the body of Christ on the earth. Allowing our head to direct our steps and to lead us down the path that we should go. That is what will bring God the most glory. And if we've received every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, that is our goal, our desire to build one another up so that we can be the fullness of Christ. In order to accomplish that goal... God has not only forgiven us and given us every reason to do it, but He's also, Jesus has, given us all gifts. And we talked about that last week. He's given us gifts that we can equip other people so that they can use their gifts. And, and all of us should be working together in whatever ministry that we're in to accomplish the goal of glorifying God by being like Christ. That means that we have habits that we need to develop. We need to use whatever gift God has given us to build up the body of Christ and glorify God 
on a daily basis. That's why we're here. That's the basis of everything in our lives. If, if we have received Christ, the blessing of forgiveness of sin, the blessing of a, a hope to be with God in heaven for all eternity, then our desire every single day should be to do whatever God has given me the ability to do for God's glory. I need to be working on my habits and developing those habits so that I'm using them often, not just on Sunday morning and on Wednesday and, and not just occasionally, but using them all the time to build up the church, to help the church work and function in a way that brings God glory. He says in verse 13 of Ephesians 4, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're using our gifts until we get to that point. Until we get to the point where we have reached the fullness of the stature of Christ. The, the point of mature manhood. I'll ask you, are we there yet? Is this group at mature manhood, is that where we're at? What does that look like? It looks like we are the body of Christ. We're doing what Christ did. We're having the impact on our community that Christ had on His. I think we're falling short. That's kind of what I brought out last week. And I think as we study this, that should be our understanding is that we're not there yet. We're not to the point of mature manhood yet. The standard that God has set is so much above and beyond where we currently are that we need to do some extreme work to get there. We want to be mature, and we want the whole congregation to have maturity in everything that we do. And so he says in verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. The goal is to move from childhood to maturity. Uh, that's what... God wants to see in us. He wants to see development. He wants to see progression. He wants to see growth in the body of Christ. Yes, we're not even close to what God wants us to be. And that doesn't mean that God hates us and he, 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 he wishes he'd have never saved us. That just means that God needs to be merciful and patient toward us. Well, aren't you thankful that we serve a God who's very merciful and very patient? But there's also a statement here that, that we would no longer be children, that, that there should be a transformation, there should be a, a change, there should be a progression from childhood to mature manhood in each of us individually. Uh, he's making the point that there's, there's a tendency, maybe, to remain children for too long. It's funny how we were studying in Matthew and we learned how greatness is about being childlike. And in a sense, you might say, well, wait a second, aren't children good? I mean, I love my children. We love our children. Uh, I sit here and I'll, I'll talk to my children and say, uh, I wish you'd just stay this age forever. Naomi just had a, a seventh birthday. And I'm just sitting here like, you're not allowed to turn seven yet. 
It's not allowed. You're not going to turn seven yet. You're going to stay at six for the rest of your life. And, you know, I just, I can't stand the idea of losing the sweetness, the innocence uh, that, that is in her right now, the, the, the humility in some ways that, that's really good that we see, that the reliance, the dependence on me. I enjoy that, and I enjoy the relationship that we have. Uh, because she is so dependent, and, and Joseph as well. Just want them to stay the same forever. But if we really were to think about that, we wouldn't really, really be happy with that, would we? I mean, you can imagine having a, a 30-year-old who has the mind of a 7-year-old. We look at that and we say, that's not right. That's not, that's not good. Uh, that's not the way that it should be. Uh, there should be growth and development that takes place in, in our children. And we understand that and we see that. If there's, if there's an old, older person who has the mind of a younger person, we, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel normal. It doesn't feel natural. There needs to be some maturing that takes place uh, in, in our lives. Uh, Paul, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. You see how the desire is for us to be children in being innocent and being humble, but also the development to maturity in the way that we think about things. And as we start to consider children, we probably understand that uh, children shouldn't remain children because there's flaws in children. The immaturity shows itself in a lot of foolishness. Uh, Naomi's at the age now where she's old enough to help out some, but old enough also to, to damage a lot of stuff. <laughs> if I let her help out some, and I'm like, okay, well, I could yell at you for, you know, not doing it right, or I could, you know, try to help you understand what it is, and and walk you through and, and explain it to you, but it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to be a lot more work. It's not easy, but I need you to grow. I need you to be mature. I need you to understand so that you can help me. And there's a need for growth and maturity so that there can be a valuable part that's being played. And this is what Paul is saying. No longer be children. In order to be mature, we have to stop being childish. But he also says that there's a danger when we don't grow. He says you're, you know, you're, the children are tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Children lack the wisdom to discern the right path. They lack the wisdom to understand what the, what the, what the good thing is to do, and that gets them into trouble, and it requires more effort to train them toward maturity. And if you've had a child that's grown up and you've gone through the teen years, you probably know what he's talking about here. That the world is pulling children in all kinds of different directions and, and they're buying into different things and, and doctrines and beliefs and understandings that have no truth in them, but that's what the, the world is constantly feeding them over and over again, pulling them toward uh, themselves, pulling them toward the world instead of pulling them toward what is truth. Well, this is what happens when there's spiritual children. When there's spiritual children, whenever there's those who are in Christ, 
who just come to, to know Christ and they don't really understand how to read and how to study the scriptures. They get pulled in whatever direction sounds most convincing. This is what has happened in the spiritual world. The, the, spiritual, the, the biblical literacy has dropped and dropped and dropped to such a point where uh, Christians are pulled to different doctrines all over the place that have no foundation in Scripture. Uh, they pull verses out of context to say what they want it to say, and as a result, they're just all over the map in their beliefs. And as a result, we can't talk to one another because we don't agree with one another. And I've, I've seen it over and over again. I listen to a lot of sermons from a lot of different preachers, and, and I, don't, I don't care what denomination they're affiliated with. I'll listen to them if they're studying a, a book of the Bible. I don't listen to so much of the topicals that jump all over the place, but if they're studying a book and working their way through it, I'll listen to them, and I'll listen and I'll hear them talking in context and pointing out all kinds of great things in Scripture, and then here's something that doesn't fit their doctrinal belief, and they'll just take it for a, a trip. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to mean this over here in order to not mean what it says. And it's just human cunning, you know, basically to say, find a way to say that it doesn't say what it says. And that's the goal of the preacher because he's got to hold on to the party line and not just say what it actually says. And if we're children, we will fall for that. If, we're, if we don't know and don't understand the truth of Scripture, haven't matured in our understanding and developed a knowledge of the foundational truths, haven't been equipped by the apostles and prophets who have provided us with Scripture, then we will fall into those traps. And there will not be unity in the church, and there will not be growth and spiritual development to maturity for the glory of God. There will be bickering and disputing and fighting. And that is where we're at right now. And that is what we're fighting against. No longer be children. So why don't we grow? Well, it's the preacher's fault, right? In a lot of cases, it is. In a lot of cases, it is. I think we as preachers have failed to equip the congregations for... Uh, the work of the ministry that they're doing, haven't given them a good understanding of the foundational truths that are found in Scripture so that they're not driven by the waves and tossed by all kinds of doctrines and beliefs and uh, they don't fall susceptible to the deceitful schemes of men. Uh, we should be preparing those uh, who are children and making them mature in Christ. That should be our desire and our goal. And if we are spiritually immature ourselves, or if we are uh, not doing the diligence of studying and making it clear how to study to those who are children, uh, then we are at blame for this. I've been a part of a congregation that was very spiritually immature before. And I, I've seen it all working and happening, and I've seen the problems just multiply as a result. All kinds of doctrines and, and differing beliefs would just pop up, and then there would be a fire, and then there would be another fire. And you know what those elders were doing? They were just putting out fires. And there was no equipping and, and spiritually maturing the group so that there wouldn't be fires. It was just constant maintenance of fires, and that's the system that they had set up. 
And we're not supposed to have that kind of a system. We're supposed to be equipped. We're supposed to grow to spiritual maturity so that those problems do not exist. So it's the, the evangelist's fault. It's the shepherd's fault. It's the teacher's fault. But maybe, just maybe, it's all of our fault. Maybe we as spiritual children are failing to devote ourselves to the study of Scripture. We're failing to devote ourselves to where we can have a foundational understanding and knowledge of what the Scriptures say, to where we can actually understand how to study Scriptures for ourselves and pull out of it the truths that are in it. I don't want a group of people who come together and listen to me and what I've studied and follow me. That's not what I want. I don't want to be an evangelist like that. That's, not, that's, the, that's the goal of a lot of men, but that's not my goal. I want a group of people who are studying for themselves and who are seeing the truths of Scripture for themselves, and then we are having a discussion, and I've got more time to study, so I can share with you my studies once a week and give you even more to help you more, but I want there to be a discussion in Bible class because you are spending your time and your abilities studying for yourselves to know the truth and helping me understand the truth when I've got it wrong. That's what should happen. We should be equipping one another, building one another up in love, growing to maturity. You might say, well, what's the big deal? I'm, I want to be a child. Remember, the immature fall for deceitful schemes. There's no unity, and God is not glorified. Our goal is mature manhood. That's the desire that God has for us. And that's where we're going. And that's what we should be seeking after. He continues by saying how we can grow in spiritual maturity. Telling us in verse 15, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. You know, you think about that idea. We're going to be mature men. You know, the, the church is going to grow to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, here's Christ's head, and it's this huge, wonderful, glorious head, and the body doesn't need to be a child's body. The body needs to be a full man's body. And he says the way that we get there is speaking the truth in love. That's how we get there. We unite together. And how do we unite together? We speak the truth in love with one another. We grow together through our conversations. And you might think, well, is it even possible for us to really have an honest and loving conversation with someone we disagree with? Is it really even possible? I mean, we're so out of practice with that that it doesn't even seem like a good idea. And that the thought of it probably makes you cringe. <laughs> Here's somebody who, who I disagree with. Think of somebody you disagree with. Okay, go talk to them. Call them up, meet them for coffee, have a conversation with them about what you disagree on. How's that going to go? Have you experienced that in the past? How did it go then? It's not easy. But this is the way that we grow. 
And, and refusing to do that will make us stake children. You got a difference of opinion with me? Come talk to me about it. I enjoy those discussions. I've, I've actually had quite a few of you here who have come to my office and talked to me about the difference of opinion you had in, in the way I understood a text, and we would have great discussions, and I'm amazed at, at the ability of those to be humble and loving and compassionate and yet still seeking the truth. But we've got to ask ourselves, what does it mean to speak the truth? Whose truth is it? Um, a lot of times, whenever we have these conversations, we can have this feeling that, uh, obviously, I disagree with you because you're wrong, and I'm right. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds about right. That's, that's kind of the way we approach it. I'm, I, I disagree with you because you're wrong, and I'm right. But that's not really the way we should see it. It shouldn't be, I'm against you. It should be, we're on the same team, and we're off Harmony. We're not, we're not sinking together. Let's go back to this together and let's share our understandings with one another and you can refine my understanding and I can learn from you and I can grow. And I'll try to refine your understanding and, and maybe you can learn from me and maybe you can grow as well. But too many times, whenever we think about this, we think, you know, how do I tell the truth in love when they're spiritually immature and they're deceived, you see how that lacks humility. Lacks humility. Uh, don't, don't look at it like we're going to get side by side and I'm going to tell you what to do, but look at it as though I am spiritually immature. I am not what I should be. I need to grow. I don't know it all yet. I don't understand it all yet. Even the things that I've, I've thought I've known in the past, I found I didn't understand it fully as someone has approached me and talked to me about it. Uh, there's been cases where I was completely right, and they were completely wrong, and, and they understood that, and they saw that, and they wanted to change. And there's been cases when I've been completely wrong. And that's okay. That's part of the growth process. If we don't have the conversation, growth doesn't happen. We have to talk to one another. We have to connect with one another, more than just coming and seeing each other in the same building as we sing songs and get around each other. We need to be a part of each other's lives. We need to be developing a connection, uniting together for God's glory. So many times whenever we get together, we speak out of emotions, and I'm as guilty as anybody. <laughs> and we let our emotions uh, control us instead of controlling them. And so many times we fail to stop and try to discern what is the most true thing I could say. And how could I say it in the most loving way possible? And that should be our goal in every word we speak. It should be our goal. And if the words of truth say, I'm wrong about this in this way, then I say those words. And I'm not worried about being ashamed of being wrong or uh, looking bad. I just say those words. And it's, it's going to be okay <laughs> if we're speaking the truth in love. Uh, that will actually probably make a bigger impact on the person than if we were to sit there and hammer our fist and defend our point. That they would, they would open their mind up to where they're wrong and actually be willing to admit that. And then there's progress. That's the way it needs to be. It's funny how I feel like as I'm saying these things to you, this should already be known. This is common sense, isn't it? And yet our world has no clue about this. 
We just bicker and fight and yell at one another. But this is the way the church should operate. And if we did, we would grow and we would glorify God. I love what he says in the second half of this verse. Uh, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. You notice the picture is you're growing into Christ. Not growing to be like Christ, which would make sense with the whole image, but you're growing into Christ. It's as though you're you're growing a greater connection with Him. You're growing to be a part of Him, and He a part of you, that there is a, a, a working that's going on inside that is making your heart and your mind and your spirit one with His heart, His mind, and His spirit. You are becoming Christ, and He is becoming you. There's no distinguishment between one or the other. They're all the same. I'm not even close to that level of maturity. And I would bet no one else here is. Some of you are further along than me, and some of you are not as far along as me. But that's the goal. That's our desire. And we might look at that and think, well, how in the world could we ever get there? Have you ever looked at yourself and you've, you've, you've seen all the wrongs that you've done as, as I've come up here and showed them to you in Scripture and showed them to myself and just, I've done this. And just thinking, I'm, I can't stop. I can't, I can't grow. It's just not happening. I, I try to, I make a commitment to myself. I decide to do something and then I fall short and I fall back down and I just don't think I'm ever going to get anywhere. We need help in this growth. And this text tells us that Christ will help us. Verse 16, he says, From whom the whole body... Now, from whom is an interesting statement. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, this is one of those confusing texts. I mean, if you really just stop and think about it, what is this saying? Uh, If you break this down, if you're an English major and you're breaking this down, like, wait a second, something's wrong here. From whom the whole body, what? He kind of takes a sidetrack. Joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped when each part is working properly, makes, okay? From whom the whole body makes the body grow. It doesn't match up. It's just, it's it's kind of broken. Uh, We would expect... From whom, from Jesus, the whole body receives strength to grow. That's kind of what we would expect. Uh, But that's not what he says. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Notice how he intertwines the working of Jesus and the working of us. From whom the whole body... And then he talks about how we are joined together. So there's a sense in which this growth is not from us. Everything we have is from him. From him, the whole body receives the gifts that were mentioned before. Uh, The equipping, right? He's equipping us. Every joint with which it is equipped. Who did the equipping? Jesus did. And then makes the body grow. He gives the gifts He equips us with our gifts. He equips us for ministry through the gifts he's given to others. 
and he makes the body grow. It reminds me of what Paul said. I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. Christ is working to cre create the spiritual growth inside of you and me. That's what this text is telling us. That there is a spiritual growth that is supposed to be happening inside of us as we join ourselves to the body and we work alongside others. Even though we feel like we can't do it, even though it feels like it's not happening, if we are joining with one another, Christ is working through that and bringing about the growth that we need to glorify Him. So we see in this... Uh, that that growth, even though maybe sometimes we beat ourselves up because we're not what we should be, that growth is not all about me, and it's not completely dependent on me. And I should say, that's great, because I am not good at that. You know, I, 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 see, I, I see failures, I see struggles at that. But I know he's working. And even in the midst of all the struggles, even in the midst of all the trials, even in the midst of all the failures... He's creating progress in my life to make me what I ought to be. My gift. This means also that my gift can have a huge impact on the spiritual development of the body of Christ. If Christ is working through my gift to bring about spiritual growth in his body, imagine what he's able to accomplish. Your gift is not insignificant. Your gift is very meaningful, very powerful, very useful in the kingdom of God. And this is the way we should view our gifts. So don't be children. Our mission is to show the world that Jesus has given us wonderful gifts. To use those gifts to build up the body of Jesus and to grow ourselves to God's glory you want help with your own spiritual growth or if you want help you want to help the body grow then this text is for you all of us have been given gifts we need to use them to build one another up we can seek the lowest position as we do that but we need to be using whatever gifts God has given us to the best of our ability while remaining humble gentle loving toward other people and patient to build up the body so that it grows. If you're not growing spiritually, will you share that with someone else? Will you share your struggles with someone else? It's the only way to receive the growth that you need. You need to be connected to the body. Joints and ligaments are holding us together. And there's some here who are glue that holds us all together. And through those connections, we receive the nourishment that we need. So if you're not growing, will you please share that with somebody else so that we can help one another and encourage one another? There are personalized one-on-one -on -one studies available with anybody interested. I've been doing this actually with, with a few different members uh, who I've seen struggling. I've kind of gone to them and said, hey, you want to get together and study sometime? And we're, we're growing together. They teach me a lot. I try to help them understand uh, some foundational things so that they're not tossed and, and turned by all the things the world says. And if you would love that, then I would love to do that. And if you're a lady, then me and my wife would love to do that, uh, to get together with you and study together and try to help you understand more 
of the foundational truths we find in Scripture or answer any questions that you have, uh, any disagreements that you have. Because maturity is not about just memorizing the Bible. I know a lot of times we think about maturity that way. That's not what it's about. Maturity is about internalizing the Bible and growing more faithful in our hearts and our minds. What are the two greatest commands? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The mature man gets closer and closer with greater and greater love for God and his fellow man. And if we all grew to maturity, what a wonderful place this would be. Uh, for us to connect with one another, new people would come in and they would see the growth and the love and the compassion that we have in one another. They would see the spiritual maturity inside of us, that there's not divisions here, which there's not. Uh, that there's uh, working together that's happening. That we're uniting together and accomplishing much for God's glory and God's kingdom. So, do you want to be a part of that? Uh, you can be. You can grow, you can have spiritual maturity so that uh, you don't think differently or think like the world. You think differently, you think like Christ. You, you don't view lying as no big deal. You think about it and you hate it. You wish you wouldn't do it. You try to stop doing it and you grow out of it. You don't think about anger as no big deal or sexual immorality or any of those kind of things. The transformed mind and heart should happen as we mature and grow. And if you are not there and if you want help with that, we want to help you in any way we can. Tell yourself the truth as you evaluate yourself this morning. And if you need help, let us know. Our work, our goal here is to build you up in love and to keep everybody going toward that goal of heaven so that when this life is over, we can all enjoy the presence of God for all eternity. Don't give up. Let us know if we can help you. Please come as we stand and as we sing.